Hi, I'm Kenita, and welcome to Black Imagination, where Antoine and I open up our Black space to our Black and Brown friends doing dope things in Milwaukee's arts and culture scene and beyond. Black Imagination is a part of the Imagine MKE Podcast Network. Are your candles lit? Is your incense burning? Time to keep it 100. And now, here's Black Imagination. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Black Imagination. This is Antoine, and I'm here with my colleague and and buddy in the work, Kanita. How are you? Hey, Antoine. And so are we just, are we creating a new moniker every time we do this? Yeah, it might. Okay. It might happen. Okay. so much stuff together. I think it's bigger than, this is my coworker, you know? Well, I do like buddy in work. Um, I think last time I was like your podcast host in crime or something. So let's just see how many different ones we could come up with. But I'm I'm with it. Hey, Antoine, how are you? I'm doing all right. I hate the snow now. I've been shoveling, and it it be it's so draining. Like after you're done, because like I like to get the perfect front where it's like there's no snow on the concrete. When the snow's coming down, it doesn't stick. That's how I like to get it, and it takes a lot of work to get it that way. So, mm-hmm. you know, I got the best shovel game on the block. You understand me? You know what I'm saying? Okay. <laughs> you out here shoveling manually. I mean, yes. Yes. Oh, yeah. I'm always shoveling. I don't mind. No, it's heavy. It's coming heavy 2021. It's coming real heavy. Yes. <laughs> See, that's what I'm talking about. Guests can, y'all can start whenever you want to. <laughs> this is the first time that this has happened yeah, where the no, guests that's... just popped in. So I feel like we got to, we we definitely going to come back so that we can introduce <laughs> Our our guest, uh, I appreciate you know the, this shovel story because I feel like I'm just super bougie because I <laughs> purposely choose to live in apartments because I don't like to shovel, and I intentionally find spaces with underground parking <laughs> because my car does not like to be cold. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I find myself just like looking out the window drinking my tea in the morning with my robe, watching people try to like drive out of like cloud in snow. And it feels so bougie and like so shady to just like be watching people struggle. But this is not my life anymore. I don't shovel. Like the two years I stayed in my mom's house two years ago. So our listeners are not familiar with this story. But if you check out, if you've been to any X Fabula events, you've heard me talk about how I found a mouse in my house and I gave it up. I just gave it all away. I was like, keep the house, Jesus. I'm out of here. And so I moved in with my mom. So I did have to shovel last winter and the winter before. And that did cause some arguments with my mother because she was like, my snow need to be moved. And I'm like, mom, I got a whole job. I'm a director somewhere. I can't <laughs> tell my boss. Uh, my mama said I got to shovel her snow. <clears throat> Black mamas don't care nothing about that, though. They don't. Nothing. They do not know that. Nothing not. about that. No, they you know do what? Not. I know that our our guests want to get in on this conversation. So we just we should just turn it over. Let's do something new. Let's yes. our show, Antoine. We can do yeah. it. Let me introduce these two ladies because they are special to me. Not just two ladies, two incredible black mm-hmm. ladies who've been on a documentary, who out here in these north side streets, and y'all just need to know. <laughs> okay. I feel like, yeah, 
I feel like that is pretty accurate. So welcome from Metcalf Park Community Bridges. We have Melody McCurtis and the Honorable Danelle. I, I feel like I feel like that's enough, like the Honorable Danelle. Okay. We own a but first her last name, name is- her last name is Cross. Is Danelle Cross? But the honorable but you, Danelle is. But like, you don't need it because how often you say Beyonce last name? You don't. <laughs> so the honorable Danelle. That's what we how, doing. How are you guys doing? Oh Jesus! Oh, Jesus. <laughs> I'm doing good. I'm doing. Y'all lifting me up. I was. I've been trying to go to the gym every morning, and um, you know, just putting my body through all of this shock. You know, so uh, I was out halfway, like I'm, I'm praying. I'm like, oh, Jesus, I need to just pass out. But y'all, if y'all, if y'all gave me that energizer to pump oh, yeah. up. So I'm feeling good. I'm glad to be here. That's, That's the Black Imagination vibes. That's what mm-hmm. we do. We lift we lift our people up. So how are you guys doing? How's 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 your week been? So. I see Melody smiling. We have actually had, um, I believe, even though a really successful work week, but personally, it's been pretty stressful. It's been pretty stressful, personally, just with the the impact that COVID is having on our personal lives, the the distance from family, um, and also the distance from community that I consider to be my family is, is really been heavy on me this week. Honorable Danelle, would you consider yourself an extrovert? You know what? I go in and out. So I'm an extrovert with some introvert needs. <laughs> so um, I'm an extrovert, overly, uh, over extrovert, but I have to go in and rest um, periodically and be alone just to strengthen myself um, because I'm so involved in other people's lives. Uh, I think that I need to rest sometimes and it's important for me to be just by myself. But COVID has t- taken away my choice. Um, mm-hmm. And so I think that not having control over, you know, when I'm, you know, fully enveloped in, with other people and when I'm separate is it's been the struggle. It's no choice in it. I can definitely relate to missing people. I think what I recognize as a black woman, first of all, I'm an introvert who's learned how to be an extrovert. So people think I'm an extrovert because I'm bubbly, but I'm like the first six months of COVID, I was like, ooh, my gas tank is looking good. I can spend this extra money on DoorDash and cheese fries like this. I don't have to talk to people, but right before COVID, I had started trying to transition to virtual meetings and people were really irritated about me not wanting to to get together in person. I think as a Black woman, what's been taken from me during COVID has been being able to connect with other Black women because I'm recognizing how vital my relationships with my friends were um, as a way of coping with just life. And it don't feel the same, you know, not being able to, you know, hit my girlfriend on the shoulder because we laughing so loud at Collectivo. You can't do that in, in COVID. You can't do that through Zoom. And so um, 
I think COVID for me has just made me so incredibly grateful for Black women friendships. And to that end, really grateful for this podcast because at least I get to talk to like people in my affinity group. And I was really excited about you guys being on our show today because I get to hear about all of the amazing work that y'all doing from Antoine. And I'm like, man, I wish they were my friends. Like, they're not my friends. You know know what's funny? (laughs) Danelle and Melody aren't even like my, they're like my work wives, right? Does it feel like that? Where Alexis at? Where's she at? She, She knows about, she knows that they've been like, because we work, I remember, um, so when I first started doing the neighborhood partnerships work group meetings, I could see that everybody was not at the table, right? And then I started to invite um, Danelle and Melody, and I remember the first meeting they came at, Everything they said was, what about what about Metcalf Park, huh? I don't see Metcalf Park in this. What's cracking? You finna add Metcalf Park? Metcalf Park, Metcalf Park. And I was like, thank you, Jesus. Like, I was so glad y'all said that because I knew, like, we all work well together. Like, for those who don't know, Danelle and I have been working since, like, what, 2012, 2013 together? Working on projects yes. in Metcalf Park. I remember when Danelle, <laughs> when she was being blocked by somebody and she had to push that person out the way and be like, I'm going to run this now. I think also, too, it's been it's been refreshing because neighborhood associations oftentimes are a bunch of people and, you know, and they're not unified in what they want to talk about or push through. And what I found through the years with Metcalf Park is like some people be like, well, where's the community? And I'm like, you don't understand. They are the community. The community has like elected them president, <laughs> mayor of the, of Metcalf Park to speak on their behalf. And I think that is a that's a different approach. And it may not work for all, but it's definitely worked for you guys because every year you've just seen to build upon that and build. And now like you guys talk and it's the voices of every resident. Like it's literally the voice of all the residents. Just to add to that, Antoine, you know, when I first got in this work, um, I'm just like, I just want to do the work with my community, with my people. I didn't know this other side of like meeting with these folks forcing folks who's getting funded to do their job, you know, all of these different dynamics as a black woman, a young black woman, a young single black parent, like all of these different layers that I have coming into this work. I mean, that was heavy. That was really heavy. Like the first two years. Um, One of the things that I will say that sets us apart is that we are from Metcalf Park. You know how people say I'm from five, three, two, one, oh, but I work, you know, at the city. We are we are working in the community that we're from, you know, so it's one thing to to speak on behalf of some people or come in and say, I want to do this. It's, it's different when you're when you're threaded through and through the community because you're from that community. So I so think let, that's what sets us apart. Let's get to know you guys. You said you, how long you said you are Metcalf Park through and through. How long have you guys been residents? So. 
what year did we we came from Harambe? Well, Danielle, tell 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 them how you even got in Milwaukee. I'm like yes. one of the three kids that was born in Milwaukee. Everybody else was born in Chicago. But when I moved to Milwaukee, my father had just died in in Chicago, and when he died, I really felt like I was alone by myself in a city full of people that I grew up with and knew, but I still felt alone. And I wanted to to get away. And it was part of my grieving. And so I moved to Milwaukee. Melody was not even, she wasn't even thought about yet. She wasn't born yet. Uh, so I came to Milwaukee and the thing that really impacted me was the affordability of Milwaukee. I mean, apartments in Milwaukee, my first apartment was $250 a month. And in Chicago, you can find a place to live, really. And so, I mean, so you can get a dump in Chicago with water coming through the ceiling for like 500 a month. But it was really hard to get good housing if you couldn't afford it. So when I got to Milwaukee, um, it was just like, to me, it was just like an open, a open door, you know, to be able to work, um, I got a job really fast. I didn't feel uh, some of the, the boundaries that people who had lived here a long time was experiencing because I, I feel like I just came with the, with the, the thought that things was going to be different. And so as I settled into Milwaukee, I started looking at and seeing some of the, the boundaries, the racism, um, the fact that people had been oppressed for so long that it was just like natural. And uh, when I, I lived in Harambe, Harambe community was a place where everybody was like family. And that means if you were well, you know, doing well, working, making good money, or if you was a drug dealer, everybody knew everybody's name and everybody was watching over everybody's kids. And so when we moved to Metcalf Park, it was like a shock to me um, the way the people were like in silos, they wasn't together like a family, like what I was used to. And so I came a little different. So when I would see, you know, men and women in domestic abuse situations fighting, I would run and get in the middle of them. And my kids said, mama, you can't do that. These people don't know you. You're going to get yourself hurt. So I just brought my own brand of community to Metcalf Park. And after a while, I started seeing, you know, how the community was changing, that it was people on the block that was the people that you knew to go to if you needed prayer. It was people on the block that if you needed clothes, you knew to go to. You know, things just started changing in Metcalf Park and Metcalf Park became real family for us. You know. I remember one time that the twins, Melody and her brother, was fighting, and I was pregnant at the time, and I couldn't stop them from fighting. And I went to the front door, and I screamed out the front door, help. And one of the neighbors came and carried my son out the house to stop them from fighting. So you'll remember, oh, Lord, y'all was so terrible when I was pregnant. But the fact that I could call on community and they will come and help. Metcalf Park is that kind of community. They are, uh, we've had so many situations where it took the whole community. One lady 
got evicted from her house. And at the time she had had a mental breakdown and nobody understood what was going on with her. But they came to me and said, Danielle, her kids is coming out every day in the morning, like six o'clock. They out there all day by themselves. We've been feeding them. One lady was buying clothes, making sure they was clean. But they were scared to talk to her. So they came and got me to go talk to her. I said, well, what's going on? And so when she explained to me that she had had a mental breakdown, that they had put on meds, but then her meds had got all messed up. She was off of them. And she was going through eviction at the same time. And so she got evicted. She was in the house and they was talking about taking her to jail because she was refusing to leave. So we went up there and got her out of there. We called our partners, which at that time was Safe and Sound and Children's Hospital organizers. And they came, helped us get her into one of the community members, actually took her and her five kids in until Children's was able to put them in a shelter. And one of the things that Children's Hospital said is that when they came into that situation, they were shocked by the fact that the whole community came out to help this one woman. But that's the kind of neighborhood Metcalf Park is. That one person will move you in their house, that the other person will talk to the police to make sure you don't go to jail. That's how we work in Metcalf Park. Metcalf Park is really, to me, I don't think of it as my community. I really think of it as my family. So I got a, I got a few questions for Honorable Danelle and <laughs> Melody. Um, so... So first question is, so it's like a series of three, but they build on each other because I've been thinking about it. Um, what are the boundaries of Metcalf? So for our listeners listening who are maybe not familiar with that neighborhood, what are the boundaries? What area is that exactly? It's in the heart of the city. So you can get everywhere. Um, if your starting point is Metcalf Park in about five to seven minutes. So it's 27th to 38th Street from Center Street to North Avenue, it's a perfect square. And so in this time, everyone is using the phrase, that work, the work, I'm doing that work, I'm doing the work. For you and Danelle Melody, um, so we heard Danelle briefly mention that work before, and then you piggybacked off of that. What does that mean to you, to you both? What is that work for you? So for me, um, and it goes all the way back to when we first started. When we first started, everybody was prescribing to us what our community needed. So the most important piece of our work is that we don't prescribe to our community what they need, but that we actually make sure that we hear from them and that we implement what they say is needed. We have, it takes us longer to do that because to hear the voice of the community doesn't mean that we just get a group of residents to come in, five or six residents, and they prescribe to a whole community what they need. So when we first started to create our plan, we, we had those type of visioning sessions with residents and partners, but then we went back out to the whole community and surveyed the community so that we could be going in the direction that they wanted to, to go in. Out of all of that work in hearing from them, and we have a team of volunteers that actually go and take notes, I mean, detailed notes about what people are saying, we've created a community-led reinvestment plan, and it outlines the areas that 
our community is interested in working on. And so that includes civic engagement, health, cultural connectedness and vibrancy, safety, and intergenerational wealth. They have definitions up under each one of them because they might, we don't see safety the way other people might describe safety. We don't see it as crime and safety. We see it as if we impact root causes, then we create safety. And so the first thing that me and Antoine worked on was connecting our young adults to work, to support, and to the community. And so we created a project called the Green Team, and those young people did work in their community, mostly for home uh, homeowners, which was our older adults. And so that connected our young adults to the older generation, and it created a sense of safety between those two groups. And it also helped our young people to see how much we valued them as part of our community. And so we, we do safety, but we do it a different way. I'm thinking about what you said about the different ways of doing safety. And I'm particularly sensitive to that because we're talking about Black community. And so um, my mother used to work at Metcalf School on 35th and North as a janitor. So I remember coming there to like pick her up for, at night. She was, you know, a janitor or whatever and picking her up from work and things like that. I'm really curious about the importance of that framing around safety and the importance of thinking about all of these other things that folks in other communities would have ascribed to something else. All right, Melody says she want to take this. So go for it, sis. Oh, 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 wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. You take it after me. I got to get in here first. (laughs) That's what what the honorable means. I get first. So let me talk about that as far as safety is that when we think about safety, we're not thinking about safety just for a black community because they, they know what it takes to create safety. And when I say they, public officials, uh, city development, planning, they know what it takes to create its safety. So it's not abnormal to think about safety in a different way. What's, what's, what has been done is to think about safety is lock everybody up. That's not creating an environment of safety. So one of the things that we thought uh, as far as safety is concerned is all these vacant lots. And so we had the community come together because vacant lots bring people together in a place that has no amenities. What are they going to do there, right? Um, So... The community said, okay, these vacant lots, young people come and they're just sitting around drinking, smoking weed, whatever. We want to do something different with these spaces that encourages a different type of behavior. So we had a group of residents come together and design a park that we had people come and do the work to install it, but it was with the design of the community. That space has, since we put it together, has drawn a different type of activity. People are coming there. We have grills installed, so they're coming there having barbecues. They're coming there having birthday parties. So it's a different type of energy coming into that used-to-be vacant lot. The other thing that we're doing around safety is now we're branching off into housing because everybody knows if you have 
a quality place to live that you can afford, that you're not worried about getting kicked out of, that you and that you can potentially own, that you have much better outcomes, right? And so in community-owned housing, not just housing that somebody else owns, but this is the community's housing. So that identity, that pride, that ownership uh, creates that sense of safety. We're not just thinking about um, the fact that Black folks need to have a sense of safety. They need to feel secure, you know? And when you talk about framing, changing the frameness on our community because the frameness on our community creates this environment, that this, this notion that we're not safe. Now, if you ask people who live in Maycap Park, do they feel safe? Most of the time, especially the men say, I feel safe. But people, but people on the outside give this imagery of an unsafe community and, it, and, and people inside the community start to internalize that. So we're pushing back at that, the reframing of our community because that framing is harmful. Mm-hmm. And that's super key. The framing is harmful. So when we say we keep us safe, we're not just saying that we're doing that. That story that Danelle told when we first moved to Metcalf Park, which was over, what, 12 years ago about how the community came together and made sure that that Black woman and her children were safe, right? So we have to change the narrative. And once we change that narrative and that frame, we can actually look at all of these things that are causing our specifically the black community to not be safe. And once we do that, we can we can see that the housing conditions that we're forced to live inside is not safe. Our city's budget and where they allocate money is not safe, right? You know, the decisions that elected officials are making is not safe, right? So when we change the frame, we can we can start to undo that internal inter, internalized racism that we've been We've been getting fed and eating and, and it's all in our bones. We're, we're dishing it out. And once we clear it out, we can see that actually we the safest thing, right? Black love creates safety, right? Black care creates safety. All of the things that we're doing create safety. And once you start to see that, you'll say, this is by design, right? It is by design that we're going in these same circles over and over again. And I think the interesting thing about COVID-19, something that frustrated me because of the work that I'm, I'm doing, right? And, and that work to me means I'm not just speaking. I'm not just saying all of these big words. I'm not talking about somebody else's experience. I'm talking that stuff and I'm doing it. I'm applying it in my life personally and in my community. So that's what that work means. And, and, and that real work, we got to be getting back to that real work of, Antoine, if you sick, you know, we colleagues, but if you need something, I'm going to pull up. You know, we got to get back to that. When we get back to that, anything is possible. So one of the, the, the frustrating things that I kept hearing is, you know, we got to get used to our new norm. I heard a lot of white people saying that. This has been reality for us. <laughs> you just now hearing about it. Mm-hmm. You're just now seeing a snippet of it. Mm-hmm. When, I, when I think about George Floyd and I think about Breonna Taylor, Black folks been getting killed in Milwaukee by the police forever. It just, some of them ain't been recorded. So, you know, we really got to get back to us. We really got to strengthen us. We really got to support us. That's why we do the mutual aid. That's why we say 
we we are inside of this in this in this nation, right? We have to vote. You know, a lot of people say, oh, I'm not gonna vote because it's not gonna change nothing. That's a lie. We just saw four years of a whole bunch of change that happened, right? So we really gotta think about what are we faced with now? How do we work together to, to live with the conditions we have now and also build those alternatives at the same time? So when Danelle talks about the housing, we do a mutual way. We making sure our folks got what we need and we talking about voting in the census, right? We making sure they got what we need and then we talking about, hey, we finna do these houses. You got any skills you wanna get? You got any skills you can provide? You got any skills you wanna learn to, to build these houses? and place you in it and not place you outside of a community that you did all of this work in. So we really got to get back to us. That's that's just period, 2021 moving forward. And if nobody learned that in 2020, I don't, you know, everybody ain't gonna make it. <laughs> I, I just wanna, I wanna be added to that, to that pull-up list. You know what I'm saying? So if you could just mail, if you could just put me on that pull-up list. I'm gonna put my number in the chat right now. Well, let me tell let me tell you uh let me tell you this. So, like I said, this week has been really hard mentally, just because it's it's hard for me not to be around people. Uh, one of the young ladies texts us all the time. She say good morning. She'll send you a prayer, and she asked me. She said, "Good morning, Queen. How you doing today?" And I said, "I'm not doing too good today." And she said, "What do you need?" I said, "Food is love, baby. Bring me something to eat." That young lady cooked me some food and it was so, I mean, you know, fried cabbage and all that. While I was eating, I just could, I could taste the love. And it, it was so good to be able to, you know, when people say executive Dan- Danielle Cross, yeah, 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 yeah. Family, neighbor, you know what I'm saying? To be able to reach out when I'm in need. And they reach back out. So that's what family do for each other. That's what my community do for me. You know, they don't put me on no pedestal. They, I'm, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a human being. I'm a neighbor. I'm a friend. I'm a sister. Now, when we talk about going in, so when we had COVID, you know, because of the position I'm in, I understand all these people getting funded to do work around COVID in black neighborhoods, but I'm also seeing that they're not that they're not visible. They're not here. They're not doing anything. And so we have to do for ourselves because we know that these programs is really just to set up to, to hire people that don't look like us, you know, to say that they're doing something that they're not even doing, they're not capable of doing because they don't have those connections. So we took it upon ourselves because we have to take care of our own to provide the things that will keep them safe during COVID. You know, hand sanitizers where somebody that came from outside of our community and bought everything on the shelves in our stores. Uh, uh, face masks where they can go to jail or get a ticket for not having a face mask, but where they where those at? So we have to make we have to be always on the offensive on the office looking for ways to protect our community. But now people know where to get a mask, right? They know how to get a mask. But in the beginning, they wasn't available. So we did, we had to do that. 
Now, as far as housing is concerned, we have all these developers coming in, building what they call low on, you know, affordable housing. What's affordable about $900 a month to somebody that is working at McDonald's or even at Freighter Hospital, $8 an hour? How is that affordable, right? We are going to provide that, not provide it, because we want the community to help us do it. We're going to build that affordability, that affordable housing for ourselves because we know what our incomes really look like. People that want to help, you know, city that want to help, design programs that work for individual communities. You can't bring me a project that you did, you know, in another neighborhood. And we're working with people that really their income is $8 an hour, right? Not 12, not 13, not 16, eight. And I would so, even go further to say, don't even make a program, right? Just cut the check. <laughs> making programs, y'all been failing, y'all been doing over and over again. It ain't reaching the people. Just cut the check, regrant that money out to the people that's doing it. Hey, she said what she said. She said what she said, cut the check. That reminds me so much of what like Dr. Monique Liston would say, right? Where she'd be like, hey, like if you gonna donate some money to a black org, do that. Don't be, don't be trying to ask how they spending that money. Don't, don't do that. You either gonna get the money or you not. Um, yes, I love her. She's the best. Mm-hmm. But let me say this too, so we can back that up. And I, and I want people to hear it. The reason that you don't just cut the check is because you don't trust black people. Even if they got a title before their name, you don't trust black people. You see the awesome work, but still in the back of your mind, you don't trust black people. Take them to church, come on. Get over your bias, go through some training, check yourself, and then invest in black people and black community. Because the way that... Can't they just write the check and then do all that stuff? Yeah, they can like, write the check. Why, yeah, why they got to wait prefer, so long to write the check? You know what? I prefer they do that background work because when they write the check and then they start second-guessing themselves, they put all kind of trauma on me. No, go fix yourself first. We see, we turn down money in Metcalf Park. We don't take all money because it's too many strings attached, Right. So I prefer you to go work on yourself if that's what you need to do so that when you come with the check, you don't come with one hand out and the other one balled up. I need you to come ready to my community or you can keep the check. No, I give them that check. I want to talk about a series of projects. I'm going to just start saying projects that y'all did. And then I kind of want y'all to reflect on the year because it's been wild as far as the work. So. You guys started a care package mutual aid system where you guys passed out toiletries, cleaning supplies, whatever neighborhoods need, whatever residents needed. You've been doing that since what, June? Since March. Since March, even earlier. And we we did door to door outside from March to to the end of September. Okay. We was insane, but we did it. So we we distributed over 10,000 kids. So far, so and, and and we hope to to continue it moving forward. Okay, what else happened this year? You guys, we launched the Metcalf Park Freedom Shop. So yes, now we don't have did. to go door to door. Folks can come in, schedule contactless pickup. We got lead filters. Plenty of people were getting lead filter this week. 
baby supply, all type of stuff. Which is really a like that's the that's a smarter version of the care package system, like a more advanced. Mm-hmm. You guys also dove into voter registration and worked really hard to get Metcalf Park out to vote. And yeah. Whether it was jamming at the polls or the future of the world, where we talked about voting in the election through art. Mm-hmm. What else happened? You guys started the Decameron. We started the Decameron project. We just had our first session yesterday, and that's really dope. Focused on um, supporting young young folks in Metcalf Park around um, learning about different avenues of art. You know, so we got like, you know, Dasha Kelly doing some workshops, just really helping you, you know, hone a craft and then they'll be able to record whatever it is that they decide and they'll get paid. So they'll be almost groomed to really understand, you know, you could live as an artist. Right. And the different ways that you could do it. And you might be good at singing and you might be good at dance, you know, so we launched that. And I'm really excited about that. We got some some dope uh, young people in the group. It sounds like you guys are starting to incorporate art and culture into all of your work, which I feel like I am so happy to be a part of um, as your work husband. I'm so happy that we are leaning towards that. I would say next, well, this year, 2021, we are looking to continue to do that in even more ways. Mm-hmm. I know from our work group, um, Metcalf Park and Imagine, we, we're committed to doing at least 10, in, 10 interventions together with partners. Mm-hmm. Um, and whether that's through the Connectedness and Cultural Vibrancy Work Group, which if you are a practitioner, you can join, just hit either me or Melody up. <laughs> um, or through just like, just people who or organizations who really see the work that you guys are doing and um, want to help. I, that makes me think of the Wisconsin Conservatory of Music. Yep. They, they had just saw, they literally saw what you guys were doing on TV, contacted Imagine and was like, Hey, we want to, we want to support Metcalf Park. We want to, we want to find a way to contribute to their care package system because it wasn't the freedom story yet. Um, so they raised a grand, they raised a grand to buy recorders for Metcalf Park residents. And they did virtual recorded workshops and, and put links on there. So not only did the, the young folks in Metcalf Park get the recorders, but they got the instructions on how to use them too. They got that help to, to really, you know, understand the different functions of the recorder and some of the adults in the neighborhood is, is doing the recorders too. So it all worked out. <laughs> well, I'm going to say that those recorders, um, for parents that's homeschooling and I, and I don't mean virtual schooling, but homeschooling to be able to expand the homeschooling to include music and art is really important, um, to even be thinking about including you know, art and music in their homeschool uh, curriculum and giving them access to be able to do it was wonderful. The, uh, the other thing I think I wanted to point out, um, Antoine, is the work that we did for with Movement for Black Lives. If Melody could talk about the, the intern group. 
Yeah, so we end up doing the Freedom Fall Fellowship and Movement for Black Lives really supported us with funding to pay resident stipends to go through um, this fellowship. It was about 16 weeks. They were able to get all of this dope training from folks all around the world doing organizing work. I know that they had like some of the original Black Panthers on one of the sessions, all of this dope stuff. And they were supported um, in expanding their organizing skills. So they really helped us build out that freedom shop. They really helped us with our get out the vote efforts. I mean, knocking doors, you know, doing texts, uh, doing hustle, doing the phone banking. Um, They were even able to go out and do some of those housing surveys that we needed for the housing project that we're working on. And they, they helped put together, you know, the jamming at the polls. They did all this dope and wonderful stuff and they got those skills. They got all of this dope uh, gear and it was an all black space, right? All black, fellowship, which we don't really see that. And they were supported nationally. And then we were spotlighted nationally too. So we were able to connect with folks that might not have seen our work, you know, in Milwaukee or Wisconsin and folks reached out and we had some fruitful uh, relationships come from that. And it's, and, and it's been, it's been great ever since. And the one thing that I want to highlight from that project is that they funded us to support this team of residents. So the residents get $3,000 stipends to participate. And one of the things that I really want funders and people to understand, even program people to understand, is to to stop thinking that just giving somebody training is good enough. Mm -hmm. Uh, When we look at these wealth gaps, we look at the struggle that people are having, especially in this time, right into your budget, making sure that they get something for their time. And, so, and not a $10 gift card. I mean, that $3,000 was able to really support folks during a pandemic that was volunteering their time. So, and so one of the examples is one, one person that volunteered didn't have a stove and refrigerator. They was able to buy a brand new stove and refrigerator with that money. Uh, one young lady whose car had broke down she was able to go get her a car with that money. So really, it, you know, if you want to invest in, in community and in people, don't just keep asking them to volunteer their time with no compensation. You can really, you changing her life with a car. And it wasn't 15 weeks. It was like nine weeks. So that's a short amount of time. And, we, and, and it wasn't a lot of hours, you know, every week. It was like under 20 and, and that's a, that's a, a pretty good amount of money uh, in time for that. I mean, that was just super wonderful to be able to do. And then it also gave us an opportunity, Antoine, to get people to do this work that other people might pass over. I was so excited about one young lady that people would say, oh, she's so thugged out. Well, that thugged out young lady was able to get people who never wanted to think about voting to come in and vote, you know, so being, having that opportunity to engage people that other people might pass over. Melody, I have a question for you. How does it feel working with your mother? You know, I I gave her the nickname, the honorable, the other part to that is the honorable thorn in my side. (laughs) To sum it up. No, it's, it has its challenges, but it's, it's great at the same time. And, you know, people think that I'm dope. I really, I just do what Danelle asked me to do. 
Um, I just work here, you know. Um, I get everything from her, so thank her for if you think I'm dope, it's, it comes from her. <laughs> That's the sweetest thing. Well, she is dope. Bottom line, she's awesome. She she, you know, even she thinks I give her everything. That's not true. When we first had COVID hit us, I panicked because all I could think is that we're not gonna be in connection with our people. How can we do our work if our work is led by people? How are we going to do it? And Melody just quickly learned how and figured out how to stay in contact with our community. She says she... No, she it took on- days. I was so mad. I went through like, no, nah, this is really happening. Then I went through like, our community, fin- ain't nobody finna do nothing. Like I had already been getting emails from partners like, yeah, we're closed until first notice. I'm like, but you supposed to be the food bank and you supposed to be, how y'all closed? Like, what's up? So I, I went through, I was panicking too. You just didn't know I was panicking. And and the reason, the reason I had to learn that stuff really quick, because I'm like, to be frank, I'm like, they got me and my people messed up. And so for her to be able to switch gears and to use our text app that we were using to tell people about voting, to let them know that we still here, to ask them what their needs was. She did that on her own. My, I was just in shock. I couldn't do nothing. But once she figured out how to stay in communication with our community, I was just like so relieved. So for her to say, she don't get everything from me. She has some skills that that's, that's, out, that's amazing. Amazing. My number one skill is wing it until you get it. That's all I do. I just wing it until I get it. I might mess it up too. Antoine can tell you, you do get that from me because I've been winging it until I get it since 2011. Ain't that right, Antoine? For real. I remember when we started the mutual aid and one time I was like, we had like a thousand kits we did in one day. And we was out there to 10.30 at night, Pope Moses. I had my little brother out there. It started raining. It was cold. I'm like, we got to deliver everybody. And then I had to regroup. I couldn't feel my body. Listen, <laughs> we went through it 2020. And that was just professional stuff. Personal. It was rough. 2020 yeah, was rough. Was, yeah. Oh, I can I can attest to 2020 being being rough. Even though I was happy I didn't have to go to meetings those first few months, I definitely showed up to a series of Zoom calls, like mm-hmm. in a bonnet and a robe, like mentally, I was just like, why? Why are we doing any of it? Like it was it was hard. And I think the worst part of experiencing that, being on Zoom calls in a bathrobe and people seeing you was like people not saying anything. Like, still needing to be in the work. And so that kind of leads me to this next question of self-care. So this entire conversation, we've been talking about the work. Mm-hmm. Um, I just seen Melody take down a whole thing of water. And I was like, oh, that's why her skin looks so rejuvenated and, and dewy. Because she did that water. Because I need, I got... Uh... COVID eyebrows. What is it? Quarantine eyebrows. Ma'am, so do I. Because I'm not about to let nobody thread these and put the thread in your mouth and put them on my eyebrows, ma'am. So so my eyebrows is out here unformed and um, it's okay. It's all right. And so I'm I'm curious though, I know that y'all committed to the work. It really feels like in listening to you talk that 
this work that you're engaged in, in this Black neighborhood, your Black neighborhood, really feels like a part of your life's work and your life's mission. I'm curious for both you, Melody, and you, Danelle, how do you create the space for self-care and what do some of those things look like for you? So how do you replenish yourself so that you can get up the next day and do it again? We struggling. That's real. Mm-hmm. That's real. Well, I'm going to say this. Uh, what I used to do for self-care, um, it's just a no-go. Can, so, you, can you tell them why? And like, so I think it's really important. I, I, I am. I am, Melly. So what I'm going to say is that when I first started this work, uh, and it was so much racial trauma happening while I was doing this work, what I used to do to calm myself and to help myself to get back up is I used to go over to my daughter's house. You know, my one, my oldest daughter has eight children. My other daughter has 10. So it was always a baby there. And I used to go over there and have the babies climbing on me and hugging me. You know, grandbabies just give you love, ain't asking for nothing back, you know. And that used to be, be the thing that gave me peace. And then even now, this whole time that we, me and Melody been working together, we were also living together. And so my grandkids was here in the house. And, you know, fuss, even fussing at kids is a grandma thing. You know, even the fussing, I, used to, I made up a song that I used to sing to the kids and then they start playing the drum beat to go with it. And the song went like this. I'm going to whoop somebody's ass. Oh, I'm going to whoop somebody's ass. Y'all kids going to stop messing with me or y'all going to plainly see that I'm about to whoop somebody's ass. And my grandkids, my grandkids, because they know I ain't going to be getting all up on them, they start making music to the beat, right? <laughs> so Maria be taking her pencils and doing the drums, and Rennie could be clapping his hands. And, you know, so even that, you know, that you could just break out in song and laughing and having ball together, you know, all of that kind of stuff. You know, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm from the generation where self-care was never part of the conversation. Mm. It never came up for Black women. Mm-hmm. And so now just identifying what gave me peace, what gave me joy. And those things are just not available to me. So now I am definitely struggling with self-care, but I went out of my way to buy me one of those magnifying mirrors, you know, the young people have with them lights all around it. So mm-hmm. that I can go all the way back to the to the old days of arching my own eyebrows, <laughs> plucking the hair out my own face. I bought myself a foot bath because my feet look like COVID. Okay. Blessed <laughs> Jesus. Yes. And then sometimes, you know, like when like I stopped, I was ordering DoorDash a lot and that was one of the ways I thought was self-care so I don't have to worry about cooking and all that. Well, now, self-care means I need to cook for myself because all that food was really not good for me. And I bought myself a treadmill so that I could get into that for self-care because sitting in this house all day, I'm, my butt is getting wide as a chair. And even though, you know, Black women like butt, I would like for mine to not be on my back, so I'm going to get on that treadmill. Um, I'm really thinking now, which is... Another thing that I'm doing for self-care is that I went through a class that talked about, you know, being your best self. That class, you know, I thought about 
for the first time in my life, creating a vision board for me, not a vision for the community, but a vision for me, mm-hmm. what I want, right? And so I've been tearing out pages out of magazines and putting it all, you know, getting all my stuff together so that I can write the story of how I want me to be during this time and even after we come out of this COVID cave that we're in. Well, I want to come out slimmer, healthier. I want, you know, those are the things that I'm thinking about for myself for self-care, but I've never thought about it before. Who are some of your favorite Milwaukee artists? We'll go for you for that, Danielle, but I still want to get back to Melody on self-care and her favorite Milwaukee artist, too. Like, what do you mean? Which, what, like, what kind of artist? No, she wants you to talk about self-care first. Yeah, talk about self-care first. Oh, uh, it's non-existent. You know, um, what, I, what I've been really focusing on in January, I mean, 2020 is, it was rough. If you know me, I had a lot of, a lot of deaths in my family and friends, not due to COVID, right? So I think that's one of the hardest part. A lot of, a lot of my people got killed, you know? That's the reality. So I think the month of January, and I, I moved in September, so just trying to get adjusted with just me and my kids being in this house now. I think for January, what I set out is to try some things, right? So I gave up drinking soda. Um, I don't smoke black and miles anymore. I was smoking black and miles on Zoom calls. I got fed up. I'm like, look, I'm at home. You you smoking. You know, it was that bad. And every time one of them went out, I would light another one. I've been, I ain't even gonna tell y'all how long I've been smoking them because the nail is on this phone and I wasn't legal age. Um <laughs> but that's how long I've been smoking them. And I just really, I really used to use that as this is my anger management, right? Um, so I just stopped cold turkey and I'm almost at 40 days of not smoking and just drinking water. And I'm so happy about that, y'all. <laughs> I cut down on eating out. So uh, the only time I order is if I'm exhausted or something and I just can't can't make dinner. So I've been cooking more. Uh, somebody just gave me a crock pot. I'm going to throw some chicken in there now. You know, make sure the kids got uh, something to eat. The, my kids went back to school. A lot of people was like, you going to see the COVID? Ooh. I'm like, look, they got to go. I've been stuck in the house with them. They've been at work with me. I mean, I'm doing, packing mutual aid bags. They there. I, I just, I need a break. So they, they at the house. So what I'm doing in January is just creating some type of lifestyle changes that I want to continue. And then February, I'm going to look at what do I have room for now that I made some of those changes. And I just been giving my myself this month time to process what has happened. Right. I think that that's important, especially for black women. We got to we got to learn how to pause. You know, we always own and, mm-hmm. and me and Danelle haven't had a day off. You know, I, I tried to go on vacation two times. And I worked both times um, from from now from from now back to 2020. So everybody said we're just off because of COVID. Our work increased. It didn't decrease. So really haven't had no time for myself. So I'm trying to create that time and then figure out what do I'm trying to I'm relearning who I am because I'm different now. I'm not the same person that I was last year or the year before. So I'm just going with the motion and then I'm not there yet, but I, I will get there. Um, my kids is happier. Um, 
I've been, one of the fun things I've been doing, I've been doing each room. So I did the kids room. My son got a, a Chad Bozeman uh, Wakanda room. My daughter got a black ballerina room. I just made some vanities. I, I started crafting and doing all of this craft stuff. And now I'm working on my bathroom. I'm going to make it a spa theme. I can't go to the spa. So it's going to be the spa at the crib. And the, the kids going to have to keep it tight and right. You know what I'm saying? Because we only got one. But they don't feel like they in the spa too. They like when I put essential oil in their baths and do candles for them. They like that. So that's what I've been working on. I'm not there yet. Uh, just dealing with what, what is and, and focus on what will be. You know, that's all I can do. Mel, you said that your self-care was non-existent, but you just gave off this whole list of stuff that you doing in real time. I'm in, I'm in transition. You you in route, sis. You not in transition. You, in you on the way. Well, let me, let me say this, that I, I'm going to say this for a, a mother. Um, my kids is part, my kids uh, taking care of themselves is part of my self-care. So watching the things that Melody has been doing with her and her children has been giving me so much joy. What she's been doing for herself. She went to the gym twice this week. That actually is part of my self-care to watch my kids taking care of themselves, right? And especially in this time of distance where, you know, usually mothers will be bossing you around. They they doing it for themselves. And so when I see it, it gives me joy. When I look at my other daughter, you know, the, the growth she's making with rehab in her house, that's giving me joy. So uh, I would say to all the young people out there, you know, as you moving and doing and, and processing this, communicating that to your parents is so, it's, it's important because Melody is distant from me, but I'm watching her life through the fact that she's texting, sending pictures, you know, doing little videos of her and the kids. That's giving me joy. That's part of my self-care. And, you know, I think while we all on this call together, before we move into our final question, which is back to your favorite Milwaukee artist. So that's just any Milwaukee-based artist, rapper, painter, whatever. But before we get into that, I just want to say, you know, also as Black people, as Black women, we have to give ourselves credit for the work we are doing. And so I'm really saying that to you, Mel, because you was like, I made transition now since you on the way. Like when you send that text, like I'm on my way, I'm leaving my house right now, you on the way. And so I think it's incredible that you've been 40 days smoke-free I think it's incredible that you've been to the gym twice. You you on the way. And so I'm proud of what you're doing. I'm proud of you, Danelle, as well. We got to give ourselves credit on the journey because it is hard. And so well done. And congratulations on the new home mill. Um, mm-hmm. That's incredible as well. So I, I live two blocks from Danelle. <laughs> <laughs> Like her house is the second house from the corner. Mine is the second house from the corner. I live upstairs from Miss Annie, who's been renting in Metcalf Park for 21 years. So shout out to Miss Annie. It's all good. <laughs> yeah. Shout we, out to Miss Annie. Yaya. 
Miss yeah. Catherine, Cheryl Lynn, yeah. Twin, <laughs> <That's right. laughs> Mr. Clark, Dora. Yes. The residents at Dr. Wesley Scott. Yeah, Miss Patrice, I'm gonna say that. Miss Patrice, I love you, Miss Patrice. Don't okay. Felicia. Felicia. Oh, Miss Felicia. Brittany, P.O.P. hold it down, Kwan. Yes. <laughs> I feel like let's we just named our favorite Metcalf Park residents. Some of the best. <laughs> oh, Miss Miss Harry, you gonna get me killed if I forget people. There's a part two. We'll have a part two to this, and we'll give all everybody shout outs. But well, I'm shouting out my favorite artists. Who okay. are who's your favorite artist? Okay, so you know I'm very limited on, in names of artists. You know I like art, but I don't know people's names. But I'm gonna say my favorite artist, of course, is Quan Caston, and this is why. First of all, he espouses the values of Metcalf Park. He is a or one of the original MP cats. And so when I reach out to Quan to do art for Metcalf Park, I don't even have, we don't even have to say anything. He know who we are. He create art that represents us and our community and the vision for it. So I'm shouting out Quan Caston. Quan Caston, Terry Jeans, and I'm gonna shout out my, my friend uh, who, who, who has passed on, Rob Smith. In the background, mm-hmm. you can see a picture of my kids. Some nice. other, I mean, he's all over. And then I can't even show y'all the other one. And then Terry, his his pain is right there. So yeah, they're, they're my favorite. Yes to being a black art collector, Mel. Damn, I do my That's right. Come on here. You better come on here. Listen. From I don't even know how to say the co-op now. Uh, Venus and Venus and them co-op. How you say it? Kuji Jacalia, maybe yeah, sage and every candles, all type of yeah. stuff. Oh, here, you know, I, I be all up in there. And yes, it, it, while Antoine calling you bougie, buying original art is building generational wealth. So well, you know what is what it is is causing a fight because that <laughs> uh, Nina Simone painting she got, I wanted that painting. And she, as far as I'm concerned, she stole it. Well, I grew up with Terry, so. Yeah. If you grew up with Terry, I grew up with Terry. I'm the mom. No, I, you knew I was going to pop that ASAP. We got that from the Metcalf Park and Imani. Imagine MKE. What was gallery it night. Gallery hey. night. Yeah, got that at gallery night. Yep. Man, thank you guys so much. We are going to have a second episode of this. We, I feel like we got I, to. Yeah, we only scratched the surface of this conversation. So everybody... Be looking out for a part two. Because when Mel come back, she's going to be celebrating even more days, black and mild free. Yep. Yeah. If if you are interested in working with Metcalf Park Community Bridges, please look them up on Facebook or the internet. MetcalfParkBridges.org. Gang, gang. Gang, gang. And we'll see you guys soon. Bye. Thanks for listening to Black Imagination with Kanita and I. Black Imagination is a part of the Imagine MKE podcast network. Be sure to subscribe and rate five stars because we are Black Excellence. Hit us up on Twitter and Instagram at Imagine underscore MKE or on Facebook at Imagine MKE. Talk to you next time. Bye.